On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla extends its agreement with world-renowned battery researcher Dr. Jeff Don. Sandy Monroe has mixed reactions to a teardown of a brand new 2021 Model 3, some great news for owners of older Model S's and X's, and more. What's happening, friends? Ryan McCaffrey here with you for episode 286 of Ride the Lightning for January 24th, 2021. To my left, Daisy the Boxer, who is just kind of looking at me leery-eyed like, oh, are we stuck in here for another hour again while we while we do this? <laughs> All right, I guess so. I'll be asleep in five minutes. Anyway, plenty more to get to on this week's show. And a reminder that next week's episode is going to be the quarterly earnings call recap and analysis uh, it's one of my favorite shows to do every year. I get to do it four times a year. So, although I guess sometimes more, maybe you throw in the shareholder meeting five and then, yeah, okay. Anyway, they're really fun to do. Uh, they're always, <laughs> they, they take a lot. It, it's always tough because, uh, I record on Friday nights and the earnings calls are on Wednesday afternoon. So it ends up being a really, really short, tight, uh, week of, week of podcast work for me, but it's always fun to do when it's all done and over with, because there's usually fun stuff to recap at these earnings calls. And in fact, this time, it could be really exciting if the Model X and S refresh actually happen, because there is a good chance, as I talked about last week, that that would be the place where they would get talked about, or even just announced, period, could be on that call. Uh, Adding a bit of fuel to the hype fire on that front, Inventory Model S's and X's, if you go on to Tesla's website right now, they're basically gone at this point. There are no inventory S's or X's, meaning new cars, new unsold cars. They're non-existent at this point in time. So it seems increasingly likely that something new is coming. It's just a question of is it a little something or is it a lot something? Is it a little redesigned or all the way redesigned? So we'll see what happens. We might hear something next week. Also, real quick, before I get started, I teased it at the top. Some quick, awesome news, in my opinion, for owners of March 2018 build and older Model S's and X's. That would be those of you with the MCU-1 infotainment system the upgrade price to MCU-2 has been reduced from $2,500 down to $1,500, so a thousand bucks off of that. That is a heck of a markdown that really, it's only bad news for those of you that may have already paid the $2,500. And I have to say here, my opinion on this previously, which I, you know, I'd given you when this first, uh, this upgrade was first made available, I thought it was a really valuable upgrade for anybody that was planning to keep their car for the long term. It's like if you were going to hang on to the car for a number of years and it's an MCU one car, definitely recommend that I thought it would have been worth the twenty five hundred bucks at fifteen hundred bucks. I'm going to update my opinion on that to say that I recommend this to anyone with an MCU one S or X. Again, if you're going to be keeping it for any length of time. I mean, hey, if you've got a lease that's going to be ending soon, I, you know, 
you you probably don't want to spend the money there. But if you if you own the car and you plan to keep it for any length of time, at fifteen hundred bucks, that is just a, a I think a really good deal. I mean, the fact is, in these cars and in, in every Tesla, the touchscreen is used for everything, almost everything, and it's just much much zippier with MCU two versus MCU one. If you've had the chance to use both, you know what I'm talking about. And if you have, if you've only used MCU two, maybe you're a Model three owner or a Model Y owner, you've never been in an older SRX. You'd probably be surprised, and also vice versa. If you've, if you're an, an MCU one SRX owner that's never been in a newer Tesla, you'd probably be surprised at how much zippier the MCU two is as well. So I do think you will get your money's worth for fifteen hundred dollars. That is an excellent new price. And you will enjoy that upgrade literally every single time you use the car. Now, if word comes down that Tesla is going to do anything for people that already paid that $2,500, I will certainly pass that information along. All right, time to get the show rolling proper. You may remember last year, that, that was almost a little Simpsons-esque there. It's like, you may remember me from such podcasts. Anyway, you may remember last year, Sandy Monroe, the noted auto industry manufacturing expert who is the master of the vehicle teardown. He ripped apart an early build Tesla Model Y in order to evaluate how Tesla's build quality is. And he was very impressed, if you'll recall, and that that uh him being impressed by the Y came about two years after he tore down an early build Model 3, which he was generally not impressed by. Well, Sandy is back with a new YouTube video series on his channel where he is tearing down a brand new 2021 Model 3 in order to compare it to that early build version of the 3 that he tore down a couple years ago. I want to play you a couple of clips from this. The first clip here is when one of Sandy's, uh, one of the members of Sandy's team first rolls the car in and, ta- and Sandy's there to, to uh, receive it as it rolls in. And these are Sandy's first impressions of the 2021 Model 3. Okay, so um, while everybody was getting into position, I got the opportunity to look a little bit. And uh, the first thing is the paint job is far superior to anything I've seen so far off of a Tesla. First off, did you guys wax this or anything? No. And there's no rubbing, no nothing. Okay, so this is, uh, this is, uh, this is a really nice paint job. So that's, that's number one that hit me. Number two, the chrome's gone. And we all know I, I don't really fancy chrome. The big problem for me right off the bat, as soon as it rolled in, in fact, I think it might be on the original shot is, (laughs) what's going on here? This is, I can't even get my little stick in here. This hasn't even got one millimeter clearance, and I don't have to have a stick for that. It's, I'm banging up against five. So again, we're getting into the build issues. I don't understand why there's still build issues. This is not, that's not acceptable. if Tesla wants to kick some serious the number one thing they've got to work on, which is the easiest thing, is a perfect build. Why, why is it that every time I look at one of these things, the build is eh, not right? 
I mean, there's tons of guys out there. I keep recommending all these different kinds of people that can come down and help you out here with this. But this, this, does, this doesn't work for me. Um, and if you want to take over all the market and not just the market you have now, that's got to be, that's got to be fixed. So he comments on the paint job first right there, and then when he's talking about the thing he's measuring with a tool, since obviously this is an audio podcast, you can't see what he's doing, It's the, he's measuring the gap between the front passenger door and the front passenger side fender. And there is almost literally no clearance at the top of it to the point where when he opens the door, it almost rubs against the fender. And there is a huge gap at the bottom. It is just anything but even. But as you heard, Sandy does applaud the paint job on this car, which is something that's been uh, been uh, criticized, it's fair to say, on Tesla vehicles over time. But yes, he applauds the paint job on this car, which, by the way, if you're curious, is a default pearl white multi-coat, which, again, it always, it's still kind of... Uh, seems strange to me when I think about it, that Tesla's free paint color, the one they'll give you by default without you having to pay any extra money, is actually a technically better paint job than all of the other ones except for red. It's, you're getting an, an extra coat of paint on that multi-coat pearl white, and you're not paying anything for it, whereas if you choose you know, the, the blue, the midnight silver metallic, black you are actually getting one less coat of paint and you're paying money. Anyway, um, so I have to say, going back to the door thing for a second, I went and checked my doors after watching this. Because it's like, you know, I, we all know our cars, but I know at least I'll speak for myself. I see it every day and it's, you know, I start to, I just get used to it, right? I don't necessarily notice little things that somebody with fresh eyes is going to pick up on. So I went out and checked my doors after this. And, and again, my car is a July 2018 build. I'm very happy to say that my door gaps are absolutely perfect. Like they look completely flawless, exactly like they're supposed to. Now, I definitely have panel alignment issues elsewhere with my car. That is, uh, <laughs> my car is by no means perfect. If you weren't a listener back when I got my car two and a half years ago, uh, I'll give you real quick the, the imperfections with my car specifically. The headlights, uh, there was a big gap. Uh, they were kind of like almost hanging over the, the front fascia, which thankfully Tesla was able to adjust the, uh, the fascia on that and, and fix that. I have what I refer to lovingly as a birthmark on my driver's side A pillar down very low, right, right near the fender. And I noticed it at delivery. Clearly something fell on the car uh, and, and it probably fell. It looks like it fell before it was painted because the paint goes right over it. Like there's no damage to the paint, but it's this, it's this like little ding, this little like divot thing. It's, you know, it's not obvious, but you look and it's there and I flagged it at delivery and Tesla said, well, we'd have to get that to a body shop and repaint it. And I decided I didn't want my brand new factory paint repainted by a body shop because it's, you know, it's you, you hear that it's typically it's never the same. So I just have decided to live with that. Uh, that same driver's side A pillar is not flush with 
the left front fender that it connects to. It's sort of, again, is raised up. It hangs up a little bit. And then my passenger side taillight, the, the body piece right below that, there's a part that's like not quite flush, which I that one I noticed relatively recently while washing the car. And then finally, I had a ton of minor paint issues with my car. Thankfully, most of those uh, were able to be dealt with and, and repaired by Immaculate Reflections. A professional detailer was able to, to resolve most of those. But to be clear, I love my car, and most of these things are really only noticeable to me. But yeah, I, I do have to say, I would never have imagined that my 2018 build car would be roughly on par, build quality-wise, with a 2021 car. I honestly expected that by now, the Model 3s would be darn near perfect coming out of the factory. So that's a little bit of a disappointment to see to see that uh, feedback from Sandy Monroe. But he has a lot more to teach us as time goes on and he starts actually tearing into the car. Now here's one more clip before I move on where Sandy hops into the interior of the car and gives his first impressions of the 2021 Model 3 from the inside. The seams are all nicely done. These things, I, I don't need a gap gauge for this. The, uh, these are all what they call French, French stitching and, um, and I, I kind of like it. It's a single stitch. I'm uh, much happier with the inside than, uh, than I am with the gaps on the, on the passenger side door. Everything here seems to be, like I say, as good as anybody's. This is, this is fine. The interior is as good as anybody's. So Sandy is very impressed there. Uh, remember that everything Sandy is talking about here is constructive criticism. Sandy, if you followed him at all, he is a big-time fan of the Cybertruck. He's a big fan of Tesla's technology. He wants to see them do better. He calls out the bad stuff, and he calls out the good stuff alike, as you heard uh, from the clips that I played from his Model Y teardown last year. Now, I encourage you, if you're interested, to check out the full video and Sandy's other Tesla videos as he continues this teardown on his YouTube channel, which is Monroe Live. And Monroe, it's his last name, it's spelled M-U-N-R-O, Monroe Live. And by the way, if you missed my interview with Sandy last year, where we had a good conversation about Tesla, it was on episode 252, if you'd like to go back to that. And I will keep an eye on his upcoming teardown videos with this new Model 3, and I will play you any more clips that bear playing. So stay tuned for that. Next up this week, Tesla has renewed its contract with the world-renowned battery researcher, Dr. Jeff Don, and Deluzi University. A hat tip. By the way, uh, Deluzi, I, was, I asked a real Canadian for the proper pronunciation here, and I was told that it's, uh, it's kind of that tomato-tomato thing, or it can be, there's sort of a couple of acceptable. There's Dalhousie, I'm told, and also uh, Deluzi. So I just had to pick one. So please don't email me if you prefer the other one. I've given both to try and cover my bases, but uh, Deluzi University, a, ha a tip of the cap here to Tesla Rati for writing this up, who says the partnership between Tesla and the Canadian University, which started back on June 8th of 2016, held the intention of developing longer lasting, lower cost EV batteries. It's been extended an additional five years to 2026. 
They've also added two new scientists to the team, which means I would imagine, this is my own editorialization now, I would imagine that Dr. Don's budget went up with this new five-year contract renewal. Now, this next bit is from a uh, Deleuze University press release. They say, Dr. Chongyin Yang's research group, he's uh, one of the new researchers, will focus on developing high-performance materials for advanced lithium-ion batteries, which includes sustainable electrode materials that contain no transition metals. It will be a crucial part of the Deleuze Tesla partnership that seeks lower cost, longer lifetime, and higher energy battery technologies as the next generation energy storage solution for electric vehicles and sustainable green energy. Meanwhile, the other new scientist, Dr. Michael Metzger, his research group will focus on developing novel methods to study the performance and lifetime of advanced lithium ion batteries, lithium metal batteries, and desalinization batteries. The goal is to create fundamental understanding that will help develop new electrode materials and electrolytes for stationary and electric vehicle batteries. Dr. Don giving a quote saying, I am so pleased to welcome Chong Ying Yang and Michael Metzger to Deleuze University assistant professors and chair, uh, chairholders, pardon me. Both are outstanding scientists and charismatic leaders. Our goal is to continue to help Tesla develop better advanced batteries for its products. Dr. Yang and Dr. Metzger bring new ideas, new methods, and new expertise, as well as a full commitment to electric transportation and renewable energy to the partnership. Tesla also giving a quote here saying, we are thrilled to be extending and expanding our work with Deleuze and Jeff Don with the addition of Chong Yin and Michael. We look forward to their important contributions in battery technology to help achieve our mission. Well, this is just great news all around. As you may know, Dr. Don is regarded as one of, if not the foremost battery expert on the planet. So retaining his brain and adding to the brain trust there for another five years, that is almost certainly going to help Tesla just maintain their current competitive advantage in not only the EV industry, but also, as you heard there, Tesla's energy storage efforts as well. In fact, if anything, the lead in the, in the marketplace might not just be maintained, it might be extended. I mean, Dr. Don has been instrumental in helping Tesla achieve the million mile battery. And there's no doubt that he sees value in his partnership with Tesla and vice versa. Otherwise, he would not have re-upped for another five years. So love to see this. It's a win-win for both parties. But also in the long run, it's a win for electric vehicle buyers as well. Next this week, here's an interesting one. Are you by chance a customer service expert who wants to work at Tesla? Well, a very unique role has opened up that you may apply to. And that role is sifting through the customer service, pardon me, customer service issues that are submitted via tweets to Elon Musk. Again, Tesla Roddy uh, first tipping me off to this. And here's the official Tesla job listing. By the way, this is a full-time position and it's remote work. You do not have to move to the San Francisco Bay Area. The listing reads in part, Tesla energy support specialists, that's the name of the role, handle a variety of customer issues while delivering on world-class customer service. 
The role of a specialist is to resolve or escalate complaints through appropriate channels and address social media escalations directed at the CEO with critical thinking. Deliver on Tesla measures of excellence, perform other duties and assignments, including administrative special projects, support general call center functions that reinforce the mission to accelerate the world's transition to sustainable energy. Energy support specialists are the front line and face of the Tesla brand. They should maintain a level of professionalism that exceeds that of our customers' expectations. Also, uh, they note the requirements here. Applicants to this full-time remote position should have a reliable internet connection and a quiet workspace free of disruptions, one year of call center experience or equivalent, a proven track record of excellent customer quality and productivity expectations, be receptive to constructive feedback, think outside the box and take initiative, have experience with Windows and Microsoft Office applications, have excellent judgment in solving critical problems, an ability to adapt in a fast-paced changing environment, and be a team player, or pardon me, a team player attitude is a must. <laughs> Not a musk, a must, but probably also a musk. Uh, in a vacuum, I have to say, this role I think is a good thing. But that said, number one, I'm not sure if one person or even a, a few people working full-time can possibly parse that many tweets. Not Elon's tweets, but the tweets that are sent to Elon. He has now over 42 million followers these days. That's a lot. That's a lot of tweets at any given moment. Secondly, and more importantly, I, I have to constructively criticize here and say that, again, I've said this before, I don't think that tweeting Elon should be the primary way to escalate customer service issues. And having somebody that's combing those tweets to then try and resolve those issues, that's good. That, that's, it's good that, that somebody's there looking at that stuff. But systemically, I don't think it's the best way to go about dealing with it. I mean, for a company that prides itself on working smart and working fast, to me, this just does not feel like a work smart solution. Again, I've said this before, but I believe Tesla should hire a new George Blankenship. George in the early Roadster and Model S days, or, pardon me, early Model S days and Roadster days, he was the head of customer experience. And so that th this kind of thing was basically, it, it all funneled up to him. There was a team in place. There was, it, this was systemically set up at Tesla. And even after George left, later in a, in a slightly different role, there was John McNeil, who was the head of service. Again, similar kind of concerns that would funnel up to John at the executive level. After John left, though, he was never replaced. Elon simply took on that responsibility. And now it's to the point where there's no PR team and that Elon's responsibility for customer service effectively means you tweet at the CEO and hope that he sees it. Now at least there'll be some other eyes watching it. But in my opinion, again, there needs to be a more systemic solution here uh, a, a, let's to use Elon's own one of Elon, one of his favorite terms, a first principles solution, a, and I think that that needs to start much higher up at the executive level. That's outside of Elon. Uh, you need somebody that's going to run a team to oversee this stuff 
with executive level oversight in order to actually accomplish the things that need to be done. And I think this is particularly crucial as the Tesla fleet continues to grow so quickly. Now, again, I don't mean to poo-poo this position or this idea, but I think it's a quick fix for a much bigger issue that still needs to be properly resolved. So here's hoping that this is a first step for Tesla to get to that bigger and better solution. So if you are interested in applying, go to the Tesla website, then go into the career section and search for energy customer support specialist. And honestly, I say, hey, good luck, because it would definitely be a very unique job. Like just, you, you know, I don't, I don't know if you'd get to interact with Elon much, if at all. Maybe you would. Maybe that would be a regular part of it. But it would certainly be a, a, a busy thing where probably no two days would ever be the same. So it would definitely be an interesting job for sure. Next up this week, a couple of interesting tidbits hiding in the old software code. Once again, courtesy of our white hat hacker friend, Green the Only. First, it seems that Tesla might be setting up the heated Model Y steering wheel so that it can be a software unlockable upgrade for certain vehicles down the road. Green says in 2020.48.35.5, which actually I just got yesterday, uh, I'm recording on Friday, I got it on Thursday. Uh, he says that that version confirms that the steering wheel is going to be software locked on cars after a cutoff. So you'd be able to pay and unlock it. Now that's the, that's the end of Green's words on it, but I presume that that means Tesla is going to software lock it out of what probably the standard Model Y moving forward. And uh, it, it now it remains to be seen whether any of the cars that have already been delivered have it. I actually did hear from uh, one listener who, who sent pictures of it in the interface. So it's, it's in his new Model Y. But, uh, the, but those cars presumably, I guess, will just have it unlocked and it's there. They just get it for life regardless of which trim Model Y uh, you have. But I would imagine that there's a good chance that standard Model Y owners moving forward will probably see this in the upgrades section of the Tesla app as a paid thing as these of the boxer drinks up behind me there. Now, the, uh, activating the heated rear seats in the standard range plus model three is what I believe that's a $500 upgrade. I would imagine this, uh, the heated wheel would be less, maybe half that, maybe a $250, maybe $300 thing. So we'll see what happens there. Now on that note, uh, a follower of greens asked if there was any way for Green to know which cars already had the steering wheel from, in other words, away for him by poking around and rooting around in the, in the, in the code for him to find that. And, and he said, unfortunately, no, there isn't. So uh, that is still a bit of a mystery as to you know, see where all this shakes out of who's got the heated wheel already and who's going to have it uh, by default going forward without having to pay for a software unlock on that. And the second item from Green this week, here's a blast from the past. It looks like an adjustable suspension might finally be on the way for the Model 3 and presumably the Model Y as well. Green posted a picture of the dashboard screen in, in this new software release, 
which shows all the icons. You know, when the car first turns on, when you put your foot on the brake and you see on what is now on the, the far left rail of the screen, you know, there's all those icons. There's the headlight icon, the parking brake icon, the traction control icon, you know, they light up for a second and then they turn off. Well, one of those icons in this new build uh, that, that uh, Green was poking around in is a Model 3. It's a, it's a you know, profile of a Model 3, an outline, with a double-sided arrow pointing up and down right underneath the car. So Green says, quote, I guess add this one as another adjustable suspension is coming for 3 and Y breadcrumbs. And he says, I don't want to say air suspension because I heard there are other options on the table too. And now that uh, it made it to the manual, because he's referring, that's where he pulled this image from is the, the owner's man, the digital owner's, the electronic owner's manual. He says, it's probably going to be offered sooner rather than later, which is very interesting. Now, an air suspension was originally mentioned for the Model 3 back in, I believe, late 2017. In fact, as I was waiting for my performance Model 3 and, and trying to find out every little bit about the car that I could and what would be different about it versus the, the regular rear-wheel drive Model 3, I was very curious about anything and everything regarding the performance model uh, because, and, and I was hoping that that car would have an air suspension option because I've got a, a sort of a tricky in and out with my garage because I live on a hill and my driveway, uh, my entrance to my garage is, is on an incline and so it's, it's just uneven. It would be, I was hoping I'd be able to get an air suspension so that I could raise my car up a bit to clear my entry and exit without scraping the bottom at all. Now that never, never came to be. Uh, and at this point, I'm glad I didn't wait for it because I still wouldn't have a Model 3, but now it does seem like it's probably imminent a good three and a half years later, maybe closer to four by the time it's actually offered for sale, uh, a good, you know, four, almost four years after the Model 3 first launched. So uh, if you are interested in that and you have not purchased your Model 3 or Model Y yet, well, you may have uh, that option available to you in the not too distant future. And of course, as Green wisely notes, it would almost certainly come to the Model Y as well. Now, the question is, if, if this does indeed become a reality, would Tesla put it on all of the threes and the Ys, regardless of trim? Or would it just be uh, on the performance cars? Would it be an option on all cars? Uh, would it be everything but the standard range cars? There's a good argument to be made for any of those, I think. We know how Tesla likes to keep the production combinations as as low as possible you know as keep everything as simple as possible as efficient as possible so you know i could see them putting it on every three and y i could see them putting it on just the performance models i could see them just making it an option in the same same way that the trailer hitch is an option on the model y so uh it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that goes now i'm really eager to hear about this even though I will almost certainly not be able to upgrade to it with my current car. Although if by some chance I could, I would.
I that would that would benefit my situation a good bit because well I won't bore you with the details but I <laughs> I want to move the show along here but I could definitely still use the ability to lift the car a couple of inches that would that would benefit me greatly but I would not hold my breath for a retrofit on that uh, if and when this comes to market finally this week public records from Texas indicate that Tesla is planning to build a new showroom and service center in the South Austin, Texas area. One more tip of the cap to Tesla Roddy here, who notes, Tesla is reportedly spending about $2.5 million for the 30,000-square-foot facility, which is located at 500 East St. Elmo Road. The upcoming site would become Tesla's first service center in Austin that's south of downtown, which is quite interesting considering that the electric car maker is still barred from selling its cars directly to customers due to Texas state law. Despite this ban, Tesla has already established its presence in the area, with the company currently operating showrooms at The Domain and on Pond Springs Road. The renovation at the 500 East St. Elmo Road site is expected to start on June 15th and be completed by September 15th of this year. September 15th, huh? Hmm. That would coincidentally be just in time to get ready for the start of Cybertruck production and deliveries, which of course will be built right in Austin at Giga Texas. Probably not a coincidence there, but uh, anyway, it is definitely a good thing to see Tesla expanding their presence in Texas. I mean, Austin is such a big tech hub, and I'll tell you, Austin's already home to a huge Tesla club there. Shout out to the Austin club. Uh, and that group is only going to get bigger as time goes on. And remember too, that Texas law that, that Tesla Roddy mentioned, the Texas state legislature only meets every other year and they are in session right now. They just started their, their, uh, what semi-annual session Right, semi, yeah, semi-annual is every other, biannual is twice per. I got, I always have to go through that in my head to get it right. But anyway, uh, their legislative group is in session right now, so hopefully by the time this new $2.5 million facility is open, Tesla will have been fully legalized in the state of Texas. Knock on wood, or I guess more accurately, knock on stainless steel if you've got any nearby. All right, that'll wrap it up for the news this week in the world of Tesla, but stick with me. I'll be right back with the Ride the Lightning Hotline, a bunch of your excellent phone calls and topics coming up right after this. Before I continue with the podcast, let me tell you about the new Model Y all-weather floor mats from 3D Max Spider available on the Teslarati Marketplace. I know there are a lot of new Model Y owners out there, and I cannot recommend these floor mats enough. 3D Max Spider has earned one of the best reputations out there, and for good reason. These mats have an ultra-premium look, feel, and precision fit to match your Model Y. They're made using a premium textured top layer that keeps mud, water, and melted snow from skidding around the car and making a scratchy sound while it's moving. And the mats themselves won't slide around in the car either. They stay put. 
Finally, the triple layer material is of such a quality that you do not have to worry about them warping or losing their shape over time. 3D Max Spider has been in the Tesla floor mat game since the early Model S days, and I cannot recommend them enough. Get them for your Model Y at shop.teslarati.com slash RTL. That's shop.teslarati.com slash RTL. Time for the Ride the Lightning Hotline. You've got two easy ways that you can call in and be a part of the podcast, which I welcome and invite you to do. You can either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question, please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many folks each week as possible, and then email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com, or you can take that same question and just leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline anytime, day or night. It's a toll-free number. Dial it up, one 888 989-8752. Again, that's one 989 tsla And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. First up is Peter from Vancouver. Hi, Ryan. This is Peter from Vancouver. I have a Model S on order, which should be delivered late February or early March, I assume. I have the full self-driving ordered as well, but I think I'll cancel the FSD because it probably won't be fully allowed on the roads for at least a couple of years. And to pay $10,000 now just doesn't seem to make any sense, especially because the way Tesla has this policy, in a year or two, if I decide I want to buy a new Tesla, that $10,000 will have just been a complete waste because it doesn't follow my account. I'll have to pay another ten dollars or $12,000 or whatever the price is in a couple of years. It's really a terrible policy in my opinion. Perhaps we'll find out about a subscription service in the next couple of months. But as it stands, it really makes no sense whatsoever to buy FSD now. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. Thanks for your podcast, Ryan, and all you do for the community. Take care. Hi, Peter, and welcome to the podcast. Well, I can't disagree with what you said at all. I think Tesla has a growing issue with regard to the inability to transfer full self-driving to another car or have it tied to your account rather than the vehicle. And the price increase up to $10,000, it really does seem to have been a tipping point for that frustration. I say that, I mean, it's my opinion. I say that anecdotally based on what I'm seeing in the forums and on Reddit, as well as the calls and emails to this podcast. I'm curious if the seemingly imminent subscription model is going to smooth this concern over at all and feel more fair to people like yourself who, who understandably don't want to sink 10 grand into something that you feel like you might not get the value out of anytime soon, either due to local government regulations, the duration of time you, uh, you intend to own the car, or something else. I really hope Tesla gets the subscription option right, because if they don't, then I think the frustration with the current situation might boil over into a larger customer satisfaction problem. The good news is that this has finally gotten on Elon's radar. He was tweeted about it by someone, and he responded, quote, Looking into this, no question that full self-driving should be viewed as reasonably valuable when doing a trade-in, end quote. 
So we'll see what happens there. Thank you so much for calling in, and I hope the remaining wait time for your Model S goes by very quickly. Next up is Miranda in Massachusetts. Welcome, Miranda. Hi, this is Miranda. I drive a long-range Model 3 with enhanced autopilot, the rear-wheel drive version. Um, 2018 is when I got my car. And I don't know if anybody else has been noticing um, that my maps or, like, navigation isn't updating. So where I work in Massachusetts, um, many of the highways are renumbering their exits. And when I look on my phone, Google Maps is reflecting the changes. However, on my um, screen, when I navigate with my Tesla, it is the old exit numbers. And I don't know if I'm missing something, but I can't find a way to make Maps itself update. My car is up to date with all of the latest software. So um, if you have any tips or suggestions or if anybody else noticing the same thing. I just wanted to put that out there. You guys have a great day. Thank you. Hi, Miranda. Thank you for your call. Uh, The map navigation data definitely doesn't seem to update as often as the car software does. For reference, my car is on navigation data version NA2020.48-12628, if you want to compare it to yours. You can check that by going into the car menu from the lower left corner of the screen and then to the software menu. Now, as for a proactive suggestion so that I have hopefully something constructive to tell you, you can maybe try filing a bug report. Just click the right scroll wheel until you hear the beep, then let go and say bug report, highway exits incorrectly labeled on navigation, or something like that that's short, because I think you have about three, maybe five seconds to record uh, before it cuts it off. But, um, and I would suggest doing that the next time you're right near one of those newly relabeled exits so that it geotags the clip. Uh, Hopefully Tesla's already aware of it, but if not, perhaps you can help get them kickstarted on it. And in fact, anybody else in your area that might be listening to this in the Massachusetts area uh, could do the same. Darren from Roanoke, Virginia is next. Go ahead, Darren. Hey, Ryan, it's Darren from Roanoke, Virginia. I wanted to give my thoughts on the new UI, especially as it relates to full self-driving. So I'll start by saying I currently have no plans to buy full self-driving, and I'm mostly happy with the basic. My main reason for not getting full self-driving is that it cannot be transferred to a new Tesla and that it relies solely on cameras. Many times I'll be driving home on a sunny day and I'll have the sun hit the camera at a certain way and it disables the autopilot, as well as when there's snow or heavy rain. Uh, But anyway, my main gripe with the new UI is that it seems to be set up mainly for those who purchased full self-driving because, like you noted, it leaves a lot of empty space that won't be used unless full self-driving is purchased. My suggestion is that we have one UI for those who have full self-driving and a different UI for those who have either basic or no autopilot at all. Um, That way, everybody gets what they want, hopefully. Um, I want to let you know I still love my car and I love your podcast, uh, so keep up the good work. 
Thank you for calling in, Darren. I'm glad I'm not the only one who feels that way about all the white space in the UI right now. And I agree that it'd be great to have an alternate version for those without the full self-driving package so that they could get more out of their screen real estate. Realistically, I'm not optimistic about that, given Tesla's laser-like focus on efficiency. Uh, you know, they're like, maybe I'm being overly pessimistic here, but I just don't see them dedicating resources to doing something like that. But maybe, hopefully, I'm wrong about that. I mean, after all, they do already branch off the S and the X from the Y and the 3 UI-wise for obvious uh, formatting reasons and in some cases feature reasons. And the Cybertruck is probably going to need its own branch of the UI as well for all of the stuff, unique stuff that it's going to do, like with the air suspension and what have you. And the Roadster too, you know, that's going to have its own UI for sure. And certainly the, the Tesla Semi will absolutely have its own branch of the UI. So we'll see how this evolves. I mean, after Elon's we need a UI overhaul comment from a couple of weeks ago, I'm optimistic that there will be a good solution in the future that works for everyone, regardless of what software packages they have purchased for their car. Thanks, Darren. Let me go now uh, to the nearby Sacramento, California, and hear from John. Hey, Ryan. This is John from Sacramento now. I used to be John from Seattle, a long-time listener. Um, and I just wanted to uh, chime in on the uh, debate that's going on about full self-driving and it being on a subscription mode. I think it would be a really awesome moneymaker idea, both for Tesla and uh, a great idea for uh, Tesla owners, if the subscription model could be not only tied to the account, as opposed to the car, as has been discussed, but also if it could be family-oriented. So for Tesla owners who have two or three Teslas, for example, they could have them all be full self-driving capable and yet only have, uh, through the app, one of the cars turned on at a given time. And if they wanted to turn on a different car, they'd have to turn off the first car. I think that would be a great attractor and also potential moneymaker. So just my two cents. Thanks. Bye. Interesting idea, John. Thank you for calling in. If I'm trying to be realistic, I'm not sure Tesla is quite going to go the Netflix route where you can have one subscription and then sign in on one device at a given time. But I do think you're onto something with the idea of a family plan, kind of like a smartphone. You know, you, you bring more test, uh, customers to Tesla, rather, you can get a bit of a break on FSD. I mean, say you're a three Tesla household. Maybe the family plan is the cost equivalent of uh, buying it outright for two cars, but then, you know, all three get it as part of a family plan. And it could scale and vary depending on how many Teslas you might have in your household. I mean, I suppose most people would be two at the most with the occasional three, but I think there's probably something to be learned there from the wireless phone industry and, and the carrier rate plans there. Good thinking, and thank you for your call. Andrew from Ottawa is up next. Go ahead, Andrew. Hey, Ryan. Andrew from Ottawa calling. Uh, I'm calling first to just to say thanks so much for doing what you do, and 282 weeks in a row is fantastic, and I don't know 
who does that. Uh, so good job on you for doing that. I'm calling with just a bit of a PSA of sorts uh, with the new holiday update and the boombox feature for those of us who are able to use it, uh, not including myself, I guess. Um, it, just a gentle request to keep it civil as much as possible. There are a lot of uh, different possible sound bites that we could use that uh, might not be appropriate for all, all audiences. And uh, I know that media will eat it up when it happens. Tesla swearing at young kids in school ground or whatever like that. Uh, so if we could keep it civil on our boombox features, that'd be awesome. And I look forward to hearing everything that uh, everyone has to offer in creative, creative ways. Thanks. Take care. Bye. That is a fair request, Andrew. Fortunately, I think just about everybody listening to this podcast is probably not going to be part of any potential problem. If you're enthusiastic enough about Tesla to be listening to an hour-long podcast about it every week, I think the odds are pretty good that you're not going to be one of the people blasting profanity-laced one-liners from classic movies at pedestrians. But hey, it still can't hurt to kindly ask people to be mindful of something like that, right? Because not only are you correct that certain media outlets who have historically not hesitated to run negative coverage on Tesla probably would pick up on it, but more than that, if those stories do become pervasive enough, fairly or not, it's entirely possible that the feature could end up getting removed entirely. So thank you very much for your call, Andrew. Matershan from Toronto is up next talking Cybertruck. Hello, Ryan. This is Matershan from Toronto, a.k.a. the Tesla Sheep from YouTube. Uh, I have a little suggestion for the Cybertruck. Um, so... As you all know, when Tesla came up with the sentry mode uh, feature, um, they just tapped into the regular autopilot cameras. Uh, but for the Cybertruck, they actually have more cameras than your typical Tesla. Uh, they have like two cameras in the back. They have a camera right below where the um, vent is. And so I was wondering if the Cybertruck would have a hardware 4.0 sort of uh, thing uh, with like better quality camera uh, with better colors and even, you know, a couple of microphones outside. So, you know, the Tesla sentry mode uh, will also activate when there's, when they, when it hears like a louder noise or something like that. Hopefully um, that's the case. Uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this and uh Wonderful podcast, Ryan. I've, I've been enjoying it so much. Uh, keep it going. Matershan, thanks as always for your call. I honestly totally forgot about the additional cameras on the Cybertruck. Completely forgot. Good thinking. There's no reason not to use those on that vehicle with sentry mode. I don't necessarily think a hardware 4 will be needed for those, even if hardware 4 is probably inevitable in the ever-advancing forward march of technology. I mean, same thing with the cameras. Better ones are inevitable there, too, as technology advances and costs go down. Who knows if that's going to happen as soon as the Cybertruck starts to arrive in, a, in approximately a year from now or maybe even a bit less. But I definitely agree that the Cybertruck should utilize its additional cameras for sentry mode. Good call. Thank you so much. Thanks to everybody that called in. Again, I could use some more good calls. Give me a ring anytime. I gave you the two easy ways to call in at the top of the segment. But stick around. The podcast isn't quite over. I've got your pro tip of the week, my Tesla service visit this week, uh, what happened there, and more coming up right after this. 
This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. I had a wonderful Tesla mobile service visit today. The the tech came right to my garage. Nice guy named Adam uh, and replaced my my cowl cover. Now, the, the, the trim that's right at the base of the windshield, as I mentioned to you last week, I isolated a, a whistling, annoying noise uh, from the wind that was that was coming from a from a gap there. So he's replaced it. I haven't had a chance to take the car out since he did the work earlier today. I'll be doing that tomorrow. So I'm curious. Uh, I mean, it, but I can tell the seal like it's it's definitely it's definitely better than the the one that he replaced. So hopefully that takes care of the problem. But but yeah, really cool to just have a Model S show up at my house. Nice guy hops out, has the new part, comes in. He was in and out in 20 minutes. And what was nice too is. At the end, he even said, "Hey, is there anything else I can help you with? Do you have any other questions?" So he, you know, he was very, it was very nice. So uh, thumbs up to Tesla Mobile Service. Next up, the pro tip of the week coming at you this time from loyal listener Jerome in Northern California. Go ahead, Jerome. Hey Ryan, it's Jerome up here in Northern California. Wanted to offer a pro tip. Apologize if somebody's already offered it. I was attempting to charge my Model S at the supercharger and the charge cable would not insert into the port fully so you get the blinking orange light. Often this is caused due to a black piece of plastic that's caught in the charger cable. And we've seen footage or videos of people that use uh, long nose pliers and other things to get it out. But what I just attempted to do was to tap the tip of the cable on the ground and the little piece of plastic came falling out. So if you're looking for a quick fix to a cable that won't fully insert, try tapping the nose of the cable on the ground gently and maybe that'll solve your problem. Hope that helps people out there. I have wrestled with this for months and never thought to do it until this morning. Keep up the great work, Ryan. Love your show. Thank you for that, Jerome. I have seen that in videos before, but I don't think it's ever come up on the podcast, either from me or from a caller, so I very much appreciate you calling in. This does indeed work, and I appreciate, by the way, that you said to be gentle. No need to smash it into the ground. A good, just little tap, good tap. You know, you can't be too light, but just a, you know, don't go, don't Hulk smash it either. A good tap We'll get the uh, job done. Cheers, Jerome. And if anybody else out there, if you've got a pro tip of the week, something interesting that you've discovered or learned about your car your car as you've uh, lived with it and experienced it that's not obvious, that's not in the manual, call in. I would love to hear about it here in the pro tip of the week section of the podcast. You can call in the very same way that you call in to the Ride the Lightning hotline, which I told you about earlier in the show. So with that... Let me just say hi to some friends of the podcast, and maybe some of them can help you out, and you can end up with some cool stuff, if any of this is of interest to you. First, abstractocean.com, find purveyors of products such as the rear footwell lighting kit, the drop-in cup holder stabilizer, the tempered glass screen protectors, new center console wraps, including for the new uh, console, I'm told as well, even if you've got a brand new 
2021, one of the new style center consoles. Check all of that out and a whole lot more at abstractocean.com and use the coupon code RTL podcast, all one word, RTL podcast at checkout to get 15% off of your first order. Meanwhile, you've got, of course, my friends at Jada, makers of the excellent wireless charging pad for the Model 3, and then the USB hub for the 3 and the Y. I recommend both. I especially, as I've said before, I think the, the wireless charging pad is my number one favorite accessory that I have in my car. Of course, I've got you know the, the new 3s and Ys, all the new Teslas, have it built in, but for the large contingent of us that have a car that doesn't have it, the Jada solution is really excellent. I highly recommend it. And you can use a coupon code there, ride the lightning, all one word, for 10 bucks off, which is a which is a nice deal. To buy either of those products, or both, should you choose, whatever you want to get, please use my referral link. I would sincerely appreciate it. And that link is getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. And Jada spelled J-E-D-A. How about the Pure Tesla Dash Cam Sentry Mode Kit? Get yours at puretesla.com slash RTL. Very simple. It just shows up in the mail. Free shipping anywhere in the U.S. on that, by the way. Take it out of the package, plug it into your car, you're done. It's already formatted. It's already ready to go. Couldn't be easier. I've got the 128 gigabyte kit in my car. That's $49. Or you can get the mega 256 gigabyte kit so that you've got a whole lot of storage. And that one's 69 bucks if you want to go that route. So again, the website to go to for that is puretesla.com slash RTL. How about the snap plate from my friends at livingtesla.com slash RTL there as well. The best front end license plate holder for those of you like me that hate front license plates. It is not going to ever harm your car. It works fine with autopilot, with everything. It's just nice and easy. Check it out if you, if you got to have one or you just want one and you don't want to glue one to your car because the three and the Y come with the, their default front license plate kit. Is it, It's an adhesive. It's an automotive tape that sticks to the front of the car. The snap plate comes off if you want it to with, uh, you know, with the included tools. It goes on securely but comes off cleanly. So get yours for any of the Teslas, the S, the X, the 3, or the Y at livingtesla.com slash RTL. And then, of course, Immaculate Reflections has taken such great care of my car, and Jeff can do the same for you and your car. Mention that you're a listener of this podcast and there is a discount waiting for you. He is booking and available at this time. So if you're in the San Francisco Bay Area or going to be here, Schedule in with Immaculate Reflections at irdetailing.com, whether you're looking for ceramic coating, paint protection film, maybe some uh, paint correction. Whatever you want to do, Jeff is here for you, and he's going to do a fantastic job. I personally stand by that because he's been taking great care of my car for the last two and a half years. You've heard about all the paint protection film mishaps I've had where the film continues to save my bacon. Uh, all right. I think that's just about it. Ah, just Patreon. That's the last thing. I do put a lot of time, energy, love, and effort into this podcast and research. 
if at some point, whether it's today, whether it's tomorrow, next week, next month, you might see fit to support my efforts on the podcast, Patreon is the way to do that. Uh, the support tiers start at five bucks a month. What is that? It's like a cup of coffee. Uh, and that that $5 tier, that's the sport tier. That'll get you early access to the show, in addition to the fact that you're doing an awesome thing and supporting me. And then the as the tiers go up, so do the perks. You can find all of that information at patreon.com slash Podcast. Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. I'm not sure how you're listening to this, but if you want to subscribe on whatever you're listening from, you can do that. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, which I know is a that's the most popular way. There's also Google Podcasts. I'm on there. I'm on Stitcher. I'm on TuneIn, which TuneIn's in your car if you want to subscribe and listen right in the car. I'm also on Spotify, which is also in your Tesla as well. Uh, and then I'm also on YouTube. Should that be your preference as well? There's no video, but if you just want to listen to the audio, it's there for you. Just search Ride the Lightning Tesla on YouTube and you should see my channel pop right up there. That will about do it. Other than saying hi to the plaid and maximum plaid level supporters of the show, I want to say first a thank you to Brett Labino, the newest maximum plaid backer. Brett, please let me know if I have mispronounced that last name. I feel pretty good about that, but I want to make sure, so just let me know. So thank you so much for your support, Brett, as well as the rest of the Maximum Plaid crew. Pete White, Danny Nelson, Jonathan Wales, Fernando Cordero, Sean Neidig, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, John Schmidt, Stan Roth, Howard Anthony Smith, Jackson Wallace, Charles Galpin, Neil Weaver, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, and then the Plaid crew, the latest of which a brand new hello and a shout out to Mike and Barbara from Louisville. Thank you both so much for listening to the podcast and supporting my efforts here. And I want to say thank you as well to the rest of the Plaid folks, George Cassioppo, David Brander, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Robert Miracle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Lawton from Chicago, Peter Chalet, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Jerry and Mary Smith, Lyle Austin, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Jeremy, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Jeremy Harris, Ron Lee, John Cody, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peake, Will Stedman, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, The Lydia Family, Michael Regal, Mark Eversole, Chris Beach, Aaron Altschul, Steve Radspinner, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, da- uh, pardon me, Jamie Dalton, Nolan Lucy Murphy, my friend on Twitter, at Rodam, Eric St. Pierre, the Tesla Owners East Bay Club, hi to all of you, Scott Gillis, Paul Casarino, Ryan Knockett, and that is everybody, I do believe. So uh, thank you all so much for your time in listening to this podcast. Actually, real quick correction, Ulrich Lassa upgraded. He's maximum plaid now. I gotta, I gotta move him on my list right there. Sorry about that, Ulrich. I appreciate your. Lo- You've been a supporter for a long time, so thank you very much. But another week is done. Next week, big show again. The earnings call recap. So stay tuned for that. That's going to be a good one. So until then, happy electric motoring. I will see you next week. 
I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make it's it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun. 